If you love our content, please subscribe to our Patreon. You can find the link in the description. I've been your host, Gene. Hey, welcome to Creative Block. We're your host, Gene. And V. We interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We ask people on Twitter if they had specific topics they want us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Pedro Eboli. Hey! Hey! Hey, hello! That was a okay. very fond start. For the hey! Show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, off to a great start. <laughs> Pedro, so you have recently been on the Rise Up uh, panel with Bobby Pontias, and it was so interesting to listen to your journey and your life, just kind of like a leading up into animation, growing up in Rio, moving to Vancouver, moving to LA. So you have like a very, uh, you have a life full of adventure <laughs> moving around. <laughs> Uh, everyone who's listening to the podcast, definitely check out uh, Rise Up Animation. Their mission is to spread information to everyone, um, like people of color, to just kind of give a better chance to get into the industry and diversify the voices of animation. And I think this is a super amazing mission. And definitely check out their content. It's super great. It's got, uh, they've got not only interviews like the interview of Pedro we're doing today, but also like panels about specific topics like uh, work visas and all that. So definitely go there, check it out and listen to Pedro's interviews on Rise Up because it's super informative and got so much information. Uh, so that's part of it. And Pedro uh, was part of the first creators to have a show on Netflix, like uh, first animation creators, because I remember going on Netflix looking for animation and there were not that many shows, like I would say like five years ago. Yeah, de definitely, yeah. Cupcake and Dino was one of the first shows on Netflix. So that's really cool. Yeah, I guess we were on one of the first shows that were probably not, uh, didn't come to them through DreamWorks because I think DreamWorks very early on had like a multi-show deal they still do with netflix and yeah. we came in in kind of a roundabout way i guess and yeah i think the show premiered around the time that you know netflix was was starting to announce all those really amazing creators like three years ago and that now yeah. we're seeing their shows come i know because you know, we all know <laughs> that animation takes a long time uh <laughs> animation yeah. takes forever that's sure so does. funny it's so true but we're going to kind of still have you tell us your story um, in a nutshell and kind of like, how was it for you growing up in Rio and like kind of like your relationship to art, to cartoons and kind of like, how did you think, like, did you think you could uh, go into animation? How was that process for you? Well, I, you know, I, I, I'm 40 now. Yeah. So, so that's a relevant uh, piece of information. And, and when I, uh, when I graduated uh, high school in Brazil, I, I went into college into, in 1999. And back then in Brazil, uh, there was, there wasn't a lot of paths to, for, you know, if you want to work in animation, the, the, the animation industry in Brazil was pretty much like a couple of really small studios working on uh, advertising usually like mm -hmm. very two D traditional <laughs> like the kind of the kind of animation you see on like a serial commercial right mm -hmm. uh, and then we had the kind of very niche like 
festival circuit animators who were interested in doing shorts and you know there's like no money like a really 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 hard life and and I, i can't even say i was aware of that at the time uh so i knew i wanted to do some creative uh i love movies i loved animation and kind of the 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 path of least resistance uh for me in brazil was uh to go into advertising so so i went to advertising school uh work at an ad, ad agency for five years uh because uh i don't know if you know they have a department called the creative department <laughs> uh where yeah which is like you know it's it's what don draper does on madman right you know, like like you know he's he's a he's a copywriter uh i was a copywriter too but you know significantly less whiskey and uh not as good looking mm. as don draper but uh that's debatable <laughs> but uh <laughs> but we so i work at a, work as a copywriter for five years and i was miserable it was uh yeah. You know, like you go into the creative department and, and ad agencies have a thing where it's like there's a lot of razzle dazzle of like, you know, like, oh, we have a beer tap in the ad agency. <laughs> and, you know, we got we got advertising as a whole has like a million awards. So everyone who works in advertising has like five awards. So it's like, you know, everyone, everyone needs to be special and feel special and like. There's a lot of egos and 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 it's That's it's really a, interesting. Yeah. It's like I know that there I didn't know that there were a lot. I know that there are some advertising awards, but it's a, that's an interesting perspective that it's like Do overkill. You... Oh, it's overkill for sure. Because I, I think there's a whole like they need creative people to work for them. So I think there's a whole environment of like that's designed to keep creative people you know in the in the ad agencies by yeah. you know by paying them well because in advertising uh, usually pays well in the creative departments and uh uh getting all these awards so they're like they're constantly trying to massage your, your egos and stuff but it's kind of a mm. i found it just a very kind of toxic environment where uh you know of course like animation can be a very toxic environment sometimes but i yeah. think one of the things that makes good animation and, and makes animation worth mm-hmm. uh, working in is, is because it's it's a collaborative medium so everyone in the crew is working towards the same goal you know of course you have cases that you know in people that kind of uh, break that rule and and are assholes and stuff but sure but you know if let, let's say the production is going well everyone is working towards the same goal everyone's collaborating everyone is you know jamming together and, and exchanging ideas and it's a so it's a very different environment than an ad agency and i was kind of like the creative part of me was not satisfied after five years working uh in, in advertising what was kind of like um if you could kind of summarize it in like maybe a sentence or two what was the number one thing that was missing for you creatively in like when we were working in advertisement it it's just kind of i don't know there's there it's kind of let's say Oh, I, I stepped on your drawing there. That's okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I wasn't got, a good drawing. I, I looked away for like five seconds and now there's like a million amazing drawings. Well, you're talking. Yeah, 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 so yeah. yeah. Don't worry about yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> but, don't, uh, don't even worry about it. Uh, I, I think it's it's kind of like the, the work at the end of the day is not that creative. It's like I see. Mm. you are basically, you know, as a copywriter, mm. you're, you know, writing puns to sell toothpaste. Right. And yeah. And sometimes you're working for companies that you're like, oh, I kind of don't agree with this company. Do you, uh, do you feel sure. like, um, even though that was like really like grueling and uh, and 
hard and not like uh, as creative as you wish that it could have been. Do you feel like it kind of helped you later on uh, pitching shows? Did you, do you feel like there's like skills that you learn while working in advertising? Uh, definitely. Yes. Uh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm sounding terribly negative here, but you know, it was, it was a, it wasn't a positive experience, like a, a positive sum for me, but I met, I met nice people who I'm, I'm friends with, with till today. And, uh, it, it, it does like, I think it, it does help with a, a particular set of skills of like, yeah, like you said, being able to pitch and, and being in front of a client and, And also like a, a degree of professionalism, I think that, you know, like treating, treating that like work and, and also not being, I think, insanely attached to your creative work and how kind of finding that balance between like, yes, what I'm doing is creative. What I'm doing like comes from me and it's, you know, there's, there's a, a big romanticism when you work with art of like, you know, like, this is a piece of me that I'm, I'm laying bare on the table. And, and, and there's that side too, which, which I, I think it's true, but there's also a side of like, you know, this is, this is commerce as well. Right. It's, yeah. it's like right. this animation industry. If you're working for a network or whatnot, you know, or a movie studio, it is this weird intersection between art and commerce mm -hmm. and, and being able to pitch yourself. And, and so I think advertising kind of helps with that like I, definitely the presentation skills was something that you're, you're forced mm. uh even from from early on in advertising you're forced to just you know go in meetings and talk to clients and you know uh present your stuff uh which which i think in animation like depending on what job you have in industry you you might not have to talk to people for years <laughs> so probably not yeah <laughs> exactly i think that's something that's really interesting that you bring up because for me working in animation in france for five years before i moved to the uf um like i never pitched a single board i never had to do that because first of all there was no time <laughs> to pitch uh so you would just kind of like send it to the showrunner and then they would just kind of like redline it and then you would just finish it and so there was never that pitch moment And moving to the U.S., like having to pitch a board, that was like so scary because I had never done it in my life. So <laughs> I think it's like really great that you mentioned that like you got used to like pitching, being in front of a room and yeah, having to just like sell like the, the project and yourself. Because also like um, were you guys in the advertisement, were, were you guys like competing with other agencies to to get one project picked up? Uh, yeah. Um, yes, we. we yeah. I mean, uh, we had our. So it's we very had, competitive. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, we had our, our clients that were, you know, the ad agencies, uh, uh, you know, clients that were were signed to the agency. But every now and then, we would have like, you know, like we're competing for a new client. Mm -hmm. uh, so, for example, at some point, we were like, you know, there's there's a, a a beer brand that's looking for a new ad agency. So all these ad agencies in town kind of prepare presentations and kind of compete for. Mm -hmm. For, for you know the clients uh money so that there is a, there is that too as well just like a man <laughs> i i haven't watched mammon yet so i'm like for anyone else out there who hasn't watched mammon yet just uh here's a couple more <laughs> but I, check I, out madman <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> madman does does like i think does at least a good job representing a little bit of like yeah. the toxicity of the industry oh yeah uh, <laughs> i can only imagine how awful like, and, uh, it can be that's how you were like i am done with this industry and then <laughs> how was the how was the process for you kind of like uh 
deciding to go into animation where you were animation like as a career like how was kind of like how did you have the idea how did that get like sparked for you i i wish i had like a cooler like origin story <laughs> uh of like you know like i saw that movie and then it changed right. my life but yeah. i kind of don't it was just uh like it was just complete madness of like i'm just fed up and i don't know what to do and i remember having a conversation with my parents at the time and and mm. and i at the time i was doing like a lot of comics and stuff uh so i just started looking online and and animation seemed like a an interesting career to kind of marry like you know my my love of drawing because you know i've been i'm that kid who's like you know grew up always drawing and always doodling stuff but uh but also my love of cinema and so i just you know had some money saved up and i i signed up for vancouver film school uh which is a one-year program which was also very important that it wasn't like a four-year thing because at that time i, I had already done four years of college and i was 26 uh, mm -hmm. and i was like you know at the time like i'm so old i can't <laughs> I, I can't spare yeah. anything more than a year uh so you know looking back it's ludicrous like i wasn't old at all but i think it's like a real concern though i feel like i get a lot of people reaching out to me telling me like oh i'm already like past like 25 or like in my late 20s is it too old to go into animation like is it can i even just yeah. pursue that so uh i yeah, understand like for it's totally fine it's totally <laughs> fine uh and it's good to hear like it's good to say that like no you can totally do it it's like 26 is not too old but the like but when you're 26 that fear is real <laughs> yes it never goes away fully i feel because like yeah i i had that same thing and i think um there's a narrative of that for sure because people always want to talk about the yeah. like wunderkinds you know it's that's the that's the ones who you want to applaud and and that's great that's an accomplishment but that's not normal like those are weird outliers that manage to get in that young and you know get a show before 25 or whatever like that's amazing yeah. but that's not that's really 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 rare and um i definitely felt that i didn't get my first animation job until i was 25 and that was like for me i had this pressure of like i want to i need to get a job by 25 and so i like just got in before you know <laughs> before i felt terrible about it and and then I, my next goal was like i want to have a show by the time i'm 30 because like you keep seeing these like 30 under 30 lists yeah, and, <laughs> and so you get it in your head that's like that's what i got to do and i was really depressed about it when i was like 29 still trying to get through development and i was like man this sucks and I felt like such a failure for a while. And then um, somebody I used to work with said something like, he's like, well, why do you care? Like, you know, why do you care to get a show before 30? So what? So you get a show when you're 32, 33, you still have a show. And I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, that makes sense. And I think that that applies no, in, in, at any point. It's like with, even with jobs, it's like, yeah, who cares? Try it, like do it, start it. And then when you get the job, you'll have a job in animation. So it doesn't matter yeah. how old you are. And the industry definitely doesn't care how old you are. Yeah, I mean, I, I think 30 under 30 lists exist because those people are rare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an so. accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like good press, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna get a lot of clicks or this is gonna solve a good papers. headline. But like, I think it's important to, it's important to remember, like, yeah, this is uh, to not compare yourself as a person to like, 
like geniuses, like the literal geniuses who also were in the right place at the right time. <laughs> uh, and like, it's totally cool, like totally normal to get a late start and you can bring in more experience with life and different things that you live yes. through. Yeah, and yeah. I think like I, if I if I had gotten a show when I was you know like twenty six, I would have done a bad job at it. <laughs> I okay, I, I agree with this so much. This is something <laughs> that I tell myself all the time. I'm like, holy moly, I am so glad that I haven't had a pitch get like picked up or anything because I'm like slowly kind of rising through the ranks and I realize, oh, I need to learn management. <laughs> I need to learn leadership. Like those are skills that you, nobody teaches you. Unfortunately, I wish they would, but um, that you need to be a show creator or showrunner, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's a lot of there's a lot of responsibilities that go into having a show and running a show that I'm sure Pedro can yeah. talk about. That it's like beyond beyond just having an idea <laughs> like you're a boss you're everyone's boss and that is a lot of pressure going back to vancouver film school what was the curriculum like um like the broad strokes of the curriculum so you know it's it's a one-year program so it's very condensed uh but at the same time it, it's it's pretty dense like it, it you get to the first six months you get uh you know storyboarding character design you know a bunch of animation classes life drawing clean up because you're working traditionally on paper uh you're getting like color theory and and you know so so it's it's mm -hmm. and it's like from 9 a.m to 4 p.m every day and the the school's always open 24 7 so you have oh, access wow. to your to your cool. uh, desk all yeah. the time and and i i'm also i'm like i'm glad that i i uh I went in older mm -hmm. because I, like I said, in advertising, I already had that like work discipline. And I, I treated that as like, like, this is my work for a year. Like, and I cannot waste a second of this mm -hmm. because, because, you know, like I said, back at the time I was feeling old and I, I didn't have time to waste. So I really try to make it count. Uh, so the first six months you, you, you're, you're learning pretty much the basics. And then the, the, the last six months you're throwing it into like, you're going to do a short film and <laughs> with, with like, you know, with the, the very, very uh, small experience you have. So, so you're like thrown into the deep end yeah, <laughs> and, and you learn a lot by making mistakes and by like, you know, being overly ambitious with, <laughs> with your, with your very limited skills and, and, you know, crashing and burning. And, and so, but it was, it was really cool. Like I, I, I would go to school mm. every single weekend. Cause you know, I was, I was an expat in Vancouver. So all my friends were from the school. So we would just hang out at the school every single weekend, uh, drawing and working and like on the second half of the program, working on our short films. Uh, but it's, it's very much a mentality of like, you, you get out, as much as you put right. in mm -hmm. like no one's gonna be you know people are gonna treat you like adults they're not gonna be like like oh you have to do this please come on come on do your assignment they're like yeah. no we don't care yeah. like if if you're interested let's go if you're not interested whatever you don't need to show up you know like there's not a real diploma at the end of this so whatever yeah you know, if, if you just want to if you just came to like you know uh, uh travel for a year on your dad's money or your mom's money and you know just have fun in vancouver whatever uh so so that that was that was a 
an interesting experience. I got to do a short really film, is. which is, I think, yeah. like the only short film I've ever done in my life. Because because after that, I'm just like, you're, it's so much work. It, it's, it, you know, when you're working. So I, I got to learn a lot. I got to like kind of, even back then, I, I mean, I've been working in this industry for like 13, 14 years now. But even back then, I was already drawn to like, because what, what people, what happens when you do a short film in six months with very limited mm-hmm. skills, it's like you either do a 15, 30 second film that has beautiful full animation and it's like, you know, it's going to be the mm-hmm. showpiece in your in your demo. Uh, or you can, like I did, kind of embrace limited animation and because I was more interested in telling a full story uh, than I was in, in like being a really accomplished animator. <laughs> Uh, so mm-hmm. that even back then already like spoke to my areas of interest of like, I, I, I try to, you know, I, I've watched a lot of like Dexter's lab and yeah. Powerpuff girls and those, those, uh, you know, limited, uh, uh, cartoon network cartoons. So I could like, you know, storyboard it in a way that I could, I could tell a lot of story through not at all, not a lot of animation. <laughs> So I would have scenes where like the character would blink or just move an arm or, you know, or it was just a run cycle and it was kind of a limited run cycle. So I managed to do like a four minute film, which, which is, which was like, I think probably the longest in my class, but, uh, and I, I managed to finish it. Uh, but at the same time, the, the animation was very limited and I, 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 I had a lot of cheats. And so even back then I was like, I was really drawn to the kind of TV animation I, I love that you were talking about like cheats and animation because I think that's something that's like very, very important when you're making a show yeah. on a budget. Absolutely. Uh, and that's going to speak a lot to like what you're going to do next, like what you were about to do next when moving back to Brazil. Yeah. And and so when I moved back to Brazil, I I was pretty lucky that it, like I did, I knew I knew nothing about the Brazilian industry. I tried to get a job in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of interviewed for a couple of jobs. One of them was like a Peanuts show that that Studio B at the time was was gonna do, and I think Studio B turned into DHX, and now it's called mm-hmm. Wild Brain. So it was way back when, and and I, I got a couple of job offers, but but uh, I needed like a two year offer in order to get a visa back then. Oh and, really? Like yeah. you needed a full two year? Yeah. Oh, wow. And those and those job offers, of course, they were like for six months. You know, oh. like it's it's you, know, you you work on that project and then and then you're out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wouldn't guarantee you any more than that. Uh, so I went back to Brazil and I was like kind of bummed out. Like, oh man, I like what am I gonna do? I know nothing about the Brazilian animation industry. And I was really lucky oh. that uh, I in two weeks back in Brazil, I got a job at a, a really small studio mm-hmm. at the time called Birdo, which at the time were like five people and. And I worked at Birdo for ten years. They they ended up being uh, the co the co producers of Cupcake and Dino. Uh, but but you know back in two thousand eight when I joined the studio, uh, it it was mostly working on very very short uh, segments. So like you know a commercial like a music video, uh, or uh, you know someone's short or something mm-hmm. like that, or sometimes video game like like vignettes and stuff. So so it was a great continuation of, of of school for me because uh i work with not only with really talented brazilian artists but also mm-hmm. uh because of the nature of the projects the projects were very short 
So one month I would be doing character design, the next month I would be boarding, the next month I would be animating, uh, you know, the next mm -hmm. month I would just be in betweening for a month. So, so you got to do a little bit of everything, and and I think that that was pretty essential for me uh, when eventually I I got to direct my own things because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think like a director is kind of like you know a jack of all trades, a master yeah. of none. Yeah. So. I, I was never like, I was never the best board artist. I was never the best animator. Uh, I, I'm too, like, I'm too impatient to be a good animator. It's, it's I relate to that so much. <laughs> animation takes too long. I yeah. used to have the patience. I, I think it was like a fun thing to do when I was younger. And then it's, it's like thinking of how many drawings I have to do to get one second of animation out. It's like, fuck that. I can't. <laughs> so funny so you were doing all these like different uh yeah you were doing every pretty much every single part of like every single job in the in the pipeline yeah and in very small chunks so i could i could really try it out and every project we yeah. got was in a different style so you know some one month i would be doing something that was really cartoony and like squash and stretchy the next month we'd be doing rotoscoping <laughs> which fucking sucks i hate rotoscoping. Yeah, yeah oh my god it's so it's soulless the it's the most, I mean, I, 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 I dig the results, but just like actually drawing the rotoscoping, it is, I wanted to die. Yeah. It's, it's so boring. <laughs> uh, cause I, I, especially cause you're usually drawing on top of humans and stuff. And it's, so you're, you're trying to keep the characters very like proportionate and, yeah. and, and all that. And I kind of, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm really drawn to cartoony stuff. I, anatomy is not one of my strong suits. Yeah. So, same. so yeah, I kind of found. You know, I found my groove. I found my the things that I was drawn to as a director. I think, you know, the the one thing I, I really like and I still like to do mm -hmm. uh, on every production I'm part of is character design. That's the one thing I'm like, I I think I'm pretty good at, uh, which I'm not I'm not at storyboarding and animating. And that's really cool to hear, by the way, because a lot of people think that you have to be a storyboard artist in order to like eventually get a show. But like, it's really cool to hear. But you do have experience in storyboards, so you've been a little bit like also a storyboard artist. But if you kind of present yourself as a designer and you still manage to like get so far three shows, yeah, <laughs> even more, right? Because you did, um, you're gonna get to that next, right? But you, you did like a couple other shows that are not listed on IMDb. Uh, the the one that's not listed is a, a preschool show that's currently in production in Brazil, uh, okay. called Bada Bean that I I, I co-created. Uh, but that was one where like, I was on my way to Vancouver to direct Cup and Dino by the time we we sold that show to Discovery Network. Mm -hmm. So I, I ended up not participating on, on any of it, but mm. I, I did create the show. So, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, the, the storyboard artist thing, I think it's great because, you know, like I, I think a storyboard artist is a, an accomplished storyboard artist is such a complete artist. Like you have to understand uh, directing and shot composition. You have to understand animation, you know, and character design. Like you, it, it is a really, really hard mm -hmm. position to work in. But the whole thing about like you need to be a story artist to be a show creator—that's a very LA thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really is, and it's really frustrating because it like boxes people in, and I feel like it just, yeah, I don't know. It like I've had run-ins with that where I would try to pitch, and 
not get like turned away, but definitely felt like I wasn't being taken seriously for not being a board artist. And uh, when I, when I was not a board artist and it just sucks. Cause there's so much more to even just show running than doing boards. Like you're really not boarding at all <laughs> when you're a showrunner. Uh, you're, yeah. you're juggling a lot of, a lot of things. Oh, you're not boarding at all. I mean, it, it, you, you shouldn't usually, be. like if, if you're bored, you board like the pilot. Yeah. That's it. And th that's it. Yeah. And then, you know, like it's about directing and, and I mean, usually just an EP, like in my case of Cupcake and Dino, I was the EP and showrunner, but I also directed all 52 episodes. Oh, yeah. wow. Uh, which, which was too much work. <laughs> Is this something that you ended up doing because uh, there just wasn't like, it was it a budget thing or was it something that because it was kind of like um, a project that was maybe like close to your heart, you wanted to be more involved with it? Kind of what was the reasoning behind you having to do so much? I think it was part budget, but also when, you know, when I was given, because I think that's how the Canadian system works a lot of times. Like there's one director to direct, you know, a mm -hmm. full season or a full two seasons. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but but when I was given the option of like, do you want to direct as well? I was like, yeah. yes, I do, because you know the show was was really near and dear to my heart, and I I wanted to, I don't know, I think I <laughs> maybe a little bit of control freak sometimes, <laughs> but uh, but you know, and and for me it also came with like, right. you know, I want to have that experience. I want to, you know, be able to learn from the process, which I did learn a lot because Cupcake and Dino was the first show that I did that was you know, of that size and scope and, you know, involved like, you know, dozens of animators and, and board artists and it has a much bigger budget. Because the first show that I, I created was, uh, is a show called Osvaldo uh, mm -hmm. on Cartoon Network Brazil. That was a very, very, uh, uh, you know, low budget show. And it, it played, it, it ended up doing really well because, you know, for, at first it was supposed to be just for Cartoon Network Brazil, but it ended up playing across all Latin America and, and in some Asian countries and, and, and African countries and European countries. So, so it ended up going around, but, uh, but it was, it was like held together with spit and duct tape. <laughs> like it, it was, yeah. But that's like, I feel like that's so telling of what it's like to work in animation, like not in America, because like working in France, oh my gosh. Like I remember in the Rise Up podcast, you say like an episode for working on Oswaldo was like the budget was less than a minute of animation in like an American show. And it's like, that is so true. Like I worked on a show, the very first show I worked on in France, we literally had a crew that was such a skeleton crew that they only had the board artists we had no directors like there wasn't even really a showrunner it was just like the producer was kind of like approving the episodes <laughs> and all of it was done in china and it's like yeah we just had like maybe like one or two supervisors and it's like yeah like we like the budget for the whole like 50 no wait it, it was 104 episodes of seven minutes and we had less money than to make i think an episode of american animation <laughs> so i was like yeah <laughs> i hear that it's like yeah, yeah it's it's a lot less money <laughs> but then but then those french shows uh <laughs> I, of course I, i'm generalizing a little bit but there's a lot of french shows that i really like that like they they overcome that stuff by having like beautiful character design and 
you know, like the boards are really smart. Yeah. I think that's the thing is the like, yeah, definitely in, in France, because I think maybe like the industry is, um, I think the industry started in France really fast. Sorry, I'm going into this uh, segue. We'll, we'll get back to your story ASAP. Uh, but like it started because Disney had a studio in Paris for a little bit. Um, they made uh, a, a Emperor's New Groove in the, in the Paris studio. And that kind of like, I think that's kind of what started the animation industry in France. And then we were able to like kind of have the knowledge that was kind of brought to the country thanks to like uh, Disney. And then, um, but then we wanted to keep making animation, but we still had no money. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I feel like, yeah. So we had to like learn to do like very smart boards, kind of like what you were talking about, Pedro, like looking at all the like smart, very limited animation TV, like Dexter's Lab or uh, anime. That's why also there's like, we reference a lot of anime because it's yeah. very economical uh, in terms of animation. Like, except, you know, the big budget episodes where there's like the big fights, but like a lot of episodes <laughs> are very like, just like the, the, you know, you don't go outside of the anime, of the information you need. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. That's really interesting to hear. And that's like the same kind of like network also, like French shows don't usually go into American TV. It usually kind of stays in Asia, South America, Europe, Africa. It doesn't really make it into North America. Yeah, and and when we were doing Osvaldo, like this, even that the the whole studio Birdo, which at the time like you know went from five people to maybe ten people, we were uh, we had never done a show before. So, and so I like to say that Osvaldo was done without adult supervision <laughs> because it was it was so cheap that like Cartoon Network bought it and they're like yeah we'll 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 put it on. Uh, we trust you guys and stuff, and 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 no one was supervising us. Like we got a government <laughs> government grant uh, to make it, and so we just kind of like try to figure out how to make a show. It, so we we did so many things in such a roundabout way that was like so much harder to do than <laughs> than if we had planned it a certain way. But also we found we got into we got some interesting results. Like and we got especially in the first thirteen episodes. Uh, we got an, an amazing animation crew, which were the people at the studio oh, that were, nice. you know, used to working in like high end advertising. And we're, we're trying to figure out how to do like, you know, limited animation and crank out, you know, more seconds per week. But but there are still some really incredible scenes in, in there that that I look at it and be like, wow, we you know, we we. We, we spent way more time and money than we should on this shot, but, you know, we didn't know what we were doing, so we just did it anyways. So it ended up like it took us, like, two years to do, like, 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Was- but that's fast, I think. Like, it's it's a pretty fast turnaround because you said, like, two years from, like, inception to, like, finished, right? No, no, two years from, like, like executing. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's also because cool that, to hear that you guys had the talent already. It's just like the pipelines were not set up specifically for TV animation, but but the talent was there thanks to like advertising. Yeah, yeah, definitely we had the talent, and you know, like we then we when we went from that to Cupcake and Dino, then we kind of you know uh, bumped a little bit into a wall of like now because now we're dealing with a Canadian uh, co-production and which uh, Cupcake and Dino was mainly produced by, by mm. E1, uh, who are the owners of Peppa mm-hmm. Pig. 
and they were doing it for Netflix and we had another studio come in and, and, and do service work for us, which was atomic, but all the pre-production was mm -hmm. being done in Brazil. So, so then we kind of hit a wall of like, we, we got to figure out how they do it and we have to deliver in the time that they expect us to deliver in. Oh, you, when you say like, you have to figure out how they do it. You mean in terms of like, um, you felt like there was a pressure to deliver quality that was higher than Oswaldo? It, it wasn't quality. It was more like the processes, you know, like, like making sure that everything is delivered within the format and within the expected timelines and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so now we're having to like really, you know, train people to in in kind of a more traditional pipeline. I see. I see. Uh, mm -hmm. So so we had to put together like a, a character design team and 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 we sent out tests and stuff and and we were very lucky to find people who were incredibly incredibly talented that kind of just pick it up so fast. Uh, but the the studio was starting to grow and we were doing you know more than one show at a time and 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 there were like a couple of other studios in Brazil who were also starting to grow and doing a couple of shows as well so it was kind of like being part of the growing pains of the industry of like we, we cannot right. train people fast enough <laughs> to for the demand uh and the, and also there are no like really good schools that you can pick people from that are like Oh yeah, you know, like whoever whoever went to this school, whoever went to this school in Brazil, we can just right. pick them up and they'll be ready to go in a day. Yeah, like, th there was no such thing. So one of one of the big studios in Rio uh, is a studio, the studio named Copa, who they are like these incredible people, really hardworking. Uh, they oh, nice. they started their own school, so they they had this. They made a deal with the with like the the mayor of of like the mayor's office in Rio, and they offered free animation classes for That's for amazing. for uh, public school students. So 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 every year they have like you know they pick like twenty people to be part of those classes, and and a lot of those people end up you know working at the studio. That's great. So so they kind of had to create their own solution <laughs> to their, to that problem. Yeah. I was going to I was going to ask you um since you said there wasn't like a lot of uh there was like animation like TV animation in Brazil was basically pretty much non-existent at the time. Do, how was it for you about like um finding writers? Uh how and also I wanted to ask you about how you learned about writing. Uh, because writing is such an important part of like running a show and making decisions and you have like a very complete like artistic career um, and I kind of want to like pick your brains on that and like kind of like are there like writing schools in Rio kind of what what it's um, what is how was that journey like for you and what what is the landscape like well I, I didn't never went to writing school like I said when I was working at an ad agency I was a copywriter so I did the writing on the ads because because the way that creative departments are organized in ad agencies is you have uh, a duo it's a, they're like duos mm -hmm, of, mm -hmm. of, of teams of two mm -hmm. so one one is the writing person the other one is the you know the art director person so i wasn't even an art director because i i've when i graduated college i i didn't feel confident enough in my artistic skills to be an art director so I'm like i'm gonna do the writing part so so I, I did get some writing experience there. Of course, it's a very different thing, but, you know, just mostly writing puns and stuff. But <laughs> that's useful, though. Like, I don't know. I yeah, think for animation, of... especially. 
I mean, yeah, because yeah, it's like you have to show that you're witty and that like your show is going to be witty. So, I mean, yeah, I, I know what I know what you laugh, but also like, but it's it was still like important, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I but, you know, it, it was always something I was interested in. And and that's something I always say when I when I talk about pitching, because mm-hmm. especially especially in animation, when I'm talking about pitching to a crowd, because I've done a few talks and stuff and and. I usually it's usually a crowd of artists, right? A crowd yes, of visual yes. people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so what I tell them is like, if you read a couple of books about writing and about screenplays and storytelling, you are so far ahead of everyone else because it's it's I think a, a part of the job that people don't pay much attention to uh, when you're someone who's very visual. I think it's like I really agree with that, and at the same time, because I. I was kind of doing that on the side. I was like, well, that Pixar story list of books, uh, there's like a bunch of like storybooks. So it was like reading story by Mackie and like uh, the Truby and like, all these, but they're so kind of like, I feel like when you start with, I don't know, for me, when I, I just, it was just so hard to understand story and writing, no matter how many books I read, I felt like it just didn't click until very late. <laughs> So I don't know, maybe you were just like, did you watch a lot, a lot of TV? Did you just like watch a lot of stories and were you just kind of like intuitively just kind of like had the knack for kind of like story structure and character motivation and all that? Well, I'm I'm a huge film buff. So, you know, I always watch a ton of stuff mm. and consume stuff like voraciously. But, uh, but also I think it helped uh, that I started my career working into in mm. that 11 minute format because it's it's such a good way to learn because it's such a pure distillation of like a, mm-hmm. a story formula of like a story circle uh there because you don't have any time to waste right so you're not you're not thinking of usually not thinking of a b story mm-hmm. much less a c story so you focus on your a story you have to introduce what that story right. is about in like you know in the first two pages uh you have to introduce what the conflict is pretty soon you have to escalate it you have to solve it and you have to put a ribbon on it and all that in like you know 11 minutes in you know 14 15 pages of a script uh so i i kind of learned like my first writing experience was was writing uh some episodes for as well though like you know I, i wrote one that never happened for the original pitch and then i wrote what eventually became the pilot and and i just i don't know i just kind of brute forced it <laughs> I, just kept, I just kept i just kept writing it until until i was happy with it until it like resembled a story right. and at the time i was reading a lot of books about uh i i think i think a common mistake is start by reading story mm. by robert mckee yeah uh i think i i made a comparison i think mm. when 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 me and gene talk uh story uh, reading story by robert mckee is like when you want to learn to animate for the first time in your life and you pick up the the animator survival yeah the richard williams and and at the same time though that's the book that everybody tells animators to read so it's kind of like this like a crazy like cycle right it's like oh well do you want to get good at it you know like (laughs) yeah They, they are good resources but i think they're both books that overcomplicate things that aren't right. that complicated yeah uh they, i think they try to categorize it and 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 you know like put too many rules 
into Absolutely. some things that are like, you know, like just go for it and, and figure it out. Like, like there's, that's kind of a rough structure, roughly how you should do it. But I think they're very, you know, like it's, it's very like grumpy old guy books about like, this is how you do this. Yeah. And this is the only way. And I'm going to break this down for the next 20 pages on how you do this one thing. And it's overwhelming. I think if you're starting, I think after, after you've gained some experience and after you've, you've done it for a while, I think going back to those mm. books and like being able to filter what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Yeah. Uh, it, there's, there's, there's helpful information in those books, but I think like for animation, right. like just pick up that very simple Preston Blair book, you know, or the Eric or the like Eric Goldberg book and just have fun. Just go draw, like try to draw a run cycle and see what happens. Like yeah, and, I think and learn, learn by doing it. The fun, the fun is the important part because if you're coming at it so clinically right off the bat, it's it's gonna do more damage i think it's it's like you're never gonna enjoy it because you're gonna be worried about the restraints so much and like i just i just started animating when i was young and i just because i just wanted to make things move you know i just thought it'd be cool to make things move and uh it wasn't until way later that i felt like there were gaps in my knowledge and that's when i turned to books but like i always feel like people online will ask those kinds of things it's like they like everyone wants the honestly they want the shortcuts like they want they want to know what's the easiest way to like learn a thing and uh and they'll ask for books or like what software are you using or whatever but it's like i think it's the same thing with writing as it is with animation it's like everyone has a different style everyone has a different way of thinking and approaching just learning in general so it's like i think it's just it's just so hard to get people to read what you write you know what i'm saying like people to look at your art it's kind of easier to find a community and for people to be like, ah, you could fix this or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But when you're a writer, you know, like people don't want to read. No, people don't want to read. <laughs> so that's kind of where, like where I'm kind of like, um, and uh, do you feel like you read a lot of scripts like Pedro or do you feel like it's just mostly watching movies that you were like kind of getting a lot of the... I, I you know, for the past... Uh five six years i was very lucky to be working alongside uh, a writer named named mark satherwaite uh mm. he he helped he developed cupcake and dino with me so mm. the, the the story was like i i created the show back in sao paulo when i was living in brazil uh pitched it to this canadian company and then mark who's a writer and canadian uh, he he was working on another one of their shows and he saw the pitch for Cupcake and Dino and he was like, I want to work on this. And they're like, well, you're already working on something else. And he's like, well, I want to work on both. I, I, you guys are going to. Oh, that's so this, great. Please. Yeah. <laughs> so because because he loved the drawings, he loved the world. And and we, you know, so I interviewed a bunch of uh, writers for that position of oh, like story so cool. editor for the show. And, and me and Mark like hit it off right away. And and we've had a a, a a, a working a work mm -hmm. marriage for the last uh six years it's it's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. like like being a couple right you know we'll 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 celebrate together we'll fight we'll we'll we'll, we'll make up and be like i'm sorry man i love you so much i'm sorry i said that oh i'm sorry but but we've been working together and uh since i moved to la we've been kind of operating as like a you know like we've, we've been nice. selling ourselves as a yeah. creative team that's great, yeah. Uh, so, so it, it's it's been great, and it was, it was a huge jump in my career because I think 
for me, it really helps. Uh, like you said, it's it's hard to get someone to to read your writing, but so but it's also like it's so easy yeah. to have mm. someone else to bounce ideas yes. off of yeah. because you get you get instant feedback. Like you don't need you, yeah. you don't need to wait. <laughs> so so what what we've done for the past six years is you know we we have like uh-huh. a a million shared uh, Google Docs and and whenever we have an idea we'll put it there and be like is this mm. a, is this anything. And if the other one says like, nah, that's nothing, then we move on. If the other one's like, oh, that's pretty cool. What, what if we did this and then added this thing? And it's like, oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So so I think ideas kind of evolve very organically for us because we already have a really good report and we already have, uh, and I think we have very complementary skills. Like I am, I am more drawn towards like kind of goofy, cute and, and, a little sometimes a little more like backstory heavy stuff and like world building a little bit and and he's very much like like he's a character guy yeah. through and through he like he loves character he loves mm-hmm. like more sitcomy stuff and and we both love heart and we love we both love stories about empathy and stuff so 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 it's it's a good combo and so all that to say that that in the past 6 years like the way we've 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 divided the work between the two of us is We'll mm-hmm. sit down, we'll talk together and we'll, we'll write a lot together. But we usually when we're right. writing together, we're writing like bullet form. So we'll have this big, we'll have this big map of what we want to do. And then he'll go off and, and he'll write the script and I'll, I'll do the character designs and I'll draw and like, you know, help come, come up with the visuals. And then we'll, we'll just, you know, share stuff with each other. So, you know, he'll, he'll send me the script and I'll, I'll do my pass and I'll send it back to him and he'll do his pass. And same thing with the designs. Like, like he doesn't draw, he's purely a writer, but, but he's, he's a really visual guy and he has a really good eye for it. Like, that helps. You, you know, like, Oh, this character is better than this character because of this, this, and this, and that. So, so that's how we got our job at, at Disney TVA. We worked there together as a team uh, for a year and a half. And that's the reason why I moved to LA that's awesome. uh, was to work at Disney. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, nice. Do you feel like, um, would you have wanted to move to LA if it wasn't for that uh, Disney? Like, if you didn't have, like, the Disney opportunity, would you have tried to move to LA or would you have, like, tried to stick to uh, I, I would have, I mean, I, th- I think I would have tried to move to LA. I mean, that's, that's kind yeah. of the dream for everyone who works in in animation, that's right? True. And and yeah. it's it's a weird like it's a conflicting feeling for me because at the same time I, I i had you know like my my school was in brazil my my maturing as an artist and as a professional was in brazil and i love the brazilian artists i've worked with uh they're really good friends of mine and i've i just learned so much and and i had so much fun doing it and i think i want the brazilian industry to keep on thriving and to keep on growing and to keep showing the world that what we yeah, can do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, when you get an opportunity like, like this, when it's, yeah. it's hard to pass. Right. And so, so I think, unfortunately, like we, we, we do work in Brazil, but we are, we're always like keeping an eye out on like the industry here and being like, Oh man, like the budgets are so big. I know. And, and you know you get to do so much cool stuff and like all the networks are here but but thankfully like places like netflix seem to be 
very aware of of Brazil as nice. as an industry, and and there's lots of Brazilian productions being made. Like I know like two three Brazilian people who who are currently working on their own shows for Netflix, animated or oh, live cool. action. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Uh, and 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 Brazil is like the third biggest Netflix market yes. in the world. Amazing. So they are they are really 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 uh, uh, investing in the country, which is awesome. And I hope I hope HBO Max does the same, and and you know Disney and all those guys. Yeah, uh, a lot of people, right? <laughs> it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, but but I you know like I I, I did a talk for uh, Pixelato the the mm-hmm. festival in in Mexico the other day, and and it was you know all these amazing latino and latina artists who had you know their their show ideas and they were doing this workshop and and one of the people in in the workshop like it was an artist that, that I really admired from latin america and and I was surprised to see her there I was like like wow what are you doing here in this you know workshop for you know because most people there were like beginners and stuff sure and 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 she said something that made me really sad. It's like, yeah, all the work I've done in my country doesn't matter. Oh, for yeah. that's I know. Yeah, I I know exactly how that feels because it's like that's also the reason why I asked you this is they're like even in France, even though people say like yeah, French animation, blah blah blah. The thing is, they're like nobody watches French animation. Like yeah, maybe they'll watch just like one show. Like everybody's gonna be like oh yeah, Wakfu, and it's like. Wakfu is just like one show <laughs> yeah. in, a, like in a million other shows. None of the shows that I worked on. And even like when I go back to France and talk to my family, the one show that everybody can be like, oh, I've seen that show is The Loud House, which is an, yep. the, an American show. So it's kind of like, oh, well, it's both great that like they've seen my work on TV. But also it's like I had to move to L.A. and work on an American show for my French family to be aware of my work on TV because uh, they haven't seen any of the French shows that I worked on. So I totally relate to that, to that feeling. It's yeah, it's, there's a, and I relate to that feeling of like sadness that you felt is like, Oh wow. You, you do have to move to another continent. <laughs> yeah. And, you, and you it's, know. it's a really sad, it's just sad. Like yeah, that, you know, the, the industry here is so, you know, navel gazy. <laughs> Uh, but the, but there are so many there's so much stuff being made here that you know you, you can't fault them for being navel gazy because they're making a hundred shows. I know, a year. yeah, 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 hundred percent, yeah. But you know, like I I wish it mattered more. I th- I think I wish the international market mattered yeah. more. And and I think I think it's starting to change a little bit. I think, I think like I think for Netflix, for example, like a show being successful only in the U.S. Uh, doesn't. Yeah, doesn't mm-hmm. uh, matter anymore. Yeah, I think I think a, a show needs to be successful outside of the U.S. for Netflix to consider it a successful show. Yeah, because it's like uh, they had a presentation like uh, telling us so now there's more subscribers that are international than U.S., which is kind of funny because international is very diverse. But you know, <laughs> at least it, sure. it, yeah. it pushes. They kind of lump it all together. Yeah, it pushes the the like agenda in a, like um. In, in a little bit of a different direction than it used to be in. So that's like really good. But yeah, and, and I think yeah. that's a good thing because it, it 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 kind of also like forces places like Netflix and then kind of the other networks uh, end up following, which is like forces them to, to have a wider POV of mm-hmm. the world. Like, like realizing that 
you know, that, that kind of Spielbergian uh, American suburb, uh, it's not the yeah. most uh, relative thing in the world. Like, like not everyone relates to that. Not everyone yeah. relates to uh, having a big front yard and, you know, having even in America, a- that's not relatable anymore. It's like, yeah, that's so like detached. Yeah, it's relatable. That's the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I just kind of brain farted really hard. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> so, so I think that's great. Like, I, I, I read a script the other day that I, I, I can't, I can't talk about what it is or anything. But I had a big problem with the script because it was, it was a very traditional kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh, Western, like mm. you know, American slash European story, yeah. and it was about the small town that people had to save the small town but the script never gave you a good reason for why the small town had to be saved (laughs) other than other than it is a small town so you know it's like it's like it's inherently good because and and that's a very like white american european that's really interesting conceit and and my, my note to them was like you gotta give them a reason why this small town is so important because just just being like a suburban little town I don't think it cuts it anymore. Like, cause I, I can't relate to it. Yeah. I think it's like, yeah, it's probably like a, the way that I kind of like think about it is like this kind of like nationalistic type of yeah. story. Like, uh, Oh, like, um, but it's true that you need more because it's like small. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, that's funny. That's interesting that you bring that up as a theme and that, that even is a theme. I feel it's like, Oh, globalization is bad. <laughs> almost like the sub the subtext of it you know what i'm saying it's like that's such a strange yeah it's definitely there's some xenophobia at the heart of it i think because it's like there's so much exchange of ideas so much more so many more exchange of so much more exchanging of ideas there we go um when you're bringing in other cultures and other countries and stuff and yeah the the whole small town thing i think is still very deeply rooted in like 1950s 1960s americana where like everyone, you know, had their nuclear families and it's just not life anymore. It's just like those towns are not doing well and there's a reason why. And it's it's strange <laughs> that it's that yeah. everyone's clinging to that cuz I don't know. It's I I just think there was for for the longest time it was kind of almost like a mindless thing where like the the default setting if you want the most neutral setting as possible, it is an American yeah. suburb. Yeah. And it's like, that's not really neutral for <laughs> yeah. most of the planet. That's not the most relatable thing in the world for most of the planet. I grew up in a, in a, in a huge bustling 10 million people metropolis by the beach. It, that is all buildings. There are no houses anywhere. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because I remember when I first moved to the U.S., I was like really young. I was around like 12. It was because of my dad's job. And I would tell... I. Actually, I actually grew up watching almost no American content for some reason. And when I would tell my friends like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm going to like uh, probably move to like L.A. It's in California. And they're like, duh, I know where L.A. is. And I was like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. It's like everybody sees that content. I mean, I don't know, like where I grew up, it was like everybody saw that content and everybody knew the American mythology. I felt like I was so yep. much behind for not knowing about American culture uh, as as a French kid because everybody else knew. And I was like, I don't know. So yeah, I totally see what you're saying. Is like yeah, because because my 
day-to-day life did not look anything like American sitcoms. Uh, school didn't look like American sitcoms. Like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the landscape of it also. <laughs> and and I, th- I think that's, you know, it's it's been such a one-way street for so yeah. long that, you know, like I, I grew up on a steady diet of, of American mm-hmm. culture. Like, you know, I grew up watching all the sitcoms and all the cartoons and all the movies and, and they're great. There's amazing stuff in there it's 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 impressive it's great art but you know it's i think it's time to like evaluate that one-way street in which like like i know who mm-hmm. like yeah hulk hogan right. is you know like i grew up in brazil and i know who carrot top i'm is. sorry it's 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 abs- it's mm-hmm. yeah i know it's a but it's absurd mm-hmm. that i know these things and, and at the same time like people don't even know what the capital of my country is you know yeah. like I know, yeah, 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 yeah. That's something that's like really. That's something that it's it's hard to not be bitter about, honestly. Sometimes it's because you know it's like I'm supposed to know what Chuck E. Cheese is, you know, and it's like why does it even matter that I it you know? But yeah. it's like well, if you don't know what it shouldn't, you know, yeah. like what if I don't know what this is, then I don't get the joke. And there's like a lot of like you know, I, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> Sometimes it's like ah. That was something actually was uh, I forgot what I was watching, but um, yeah, my girlfriend mentioned like we were watching something and it had a parody of of Chuck E. Cheese, and and she mentioned that she's like, do international markets even know what this is? Because it's like, and I I was like, I don't think they do. Like I think that that kind of like Chuck E. Cheese, uh, you know, kids playground kind of like pizza thing it's like very american and very suburban american too and uh i had yeah. never thought about that and so this is really this is an interesting conversation to have because it's like there's probably a lot of stuff like that even just prom oh like, yeah prom is like i i mean i understand conceptually what sure. prom is i've just never gone to prom or never been to one and it's it's like a concept that does not exist in france like when i actually came back to france like a couple of my friends were like um do they have do they really have cheerleaders in the u.s i'm like yeah and they were like no and then i was like do they really have like uh quarterbacks and like the football team and the football events and like yeah they do and they're like no way and then they're like do they have prom no i was like yeah i was like no they don't have prom. <laughs> it was just like you know it was just like yeah it's like this it, visual it's it's like a mytho- it's like it's really a mythology it is a mythology it's it not is. like yeah. yeah, it's the Americana. And I and I think and I think the the like this the solution to this is not, you know, it's not st- like let's keep making Chuck E. Cheese references. I think it, that's that's fine cuz you know, like it's it is a reference mm-hmm. in America. But also I think the solution is not shying away from 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 other stuff that yeah. seems foreign. Uh, you know, like when you try to put a reference to something that's not American, and an executive or someone will say like, "Oh, we can't put that because it's not it's not relatable or it's not you know people won't understand it." I think we should be allowed to then make references to things that are outside the culture mm-hmm. now and 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 normalize them and treat them as as normal and and if you don't get it and you're curious, you might want to look it up yeah. and, mm-hmm. and you know learn something new. Yeah. And don't don't stop the Chuck E. Cheese references, even yeah. though like. I think every show has a yeah. Chuck E. Cheese episode at this point, Definitely. but but uh, but you know, like let's let's just broaden. I think it's like the references. What I kind of want to, what I think is kind of interesting is that, like, I think you can still make 
the spirit of a Chuck E. Like, since we're talking about Chuck E. Cheese, like you can make the spirit of a Chuck E. Cheese like reference work without making it so obviously a reference to Chuck E. Cheese. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like I think it it would it would be more interesting if it was like more character driven and more detail driven. Kind of like it's funny, for example. I don't know to see that like a restaurant that like a lot of uh characters enjoy is really gross and it doesn't have to have to do anything with any like big brand mm -hmm. thing you yeah. know like you can just show that it's gross with like actual details in the cartoon i don't know i think that's funnier and relatable to everyone because i'm sure everyone has seen like at least one restaurant that's kind of that has that spirit. <laughs> well, it's like the the animatronics are what people but, always come back to. You know, that's like the oh, big yeah. thing. Yeah. But also, you know, like I think the Chuck E. Cheese thing has been so prevalent in in all animated shows, and I guess this is this is the welcome to Chuck E. Yeah, Cheese Bash. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> but but I think it's it's just because it's a natural thing that you know all the all the creators, all the showrunners. You know, we're like yeah. mm -hmm. white Americans, so so that it's 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 natural that a reference like Chuck E. Cheese becomes you know prevalent because it's it's funny mm -hmm. and it's part it's part of their lexicon. So I'm not I'm not faulting the you know white American creators putting Chuck E. Cheese in their shows. It's it is part of their experience. It is part of their culture. Uh, but I think now that we're seeing. A more diverse group of creators and showrunners i think the process is going to be natural to include right. mm -hmm. different references and different points of view into the shows and and hopefully we'll have less of the chuck e cheese episode you know like i'm, I'm happy that now we live in a time that you know like it it, it would be unacceptable now to have you know like uh a, a, a white Anglo-Saxon mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, voice actor do the voice of, of, yeah. of, a, right. of a Latinx character, for example. Some, you know, yeah. So that's a good, there's change. So that's good. Something I something I was thinking of is like how when um, anime first came over to the states and like they were trying so hard to Americanize everything. It's like the reverse of that almost, where they wanted to just shove it into the American culture. You know, where like onigiri was donuts for some fucking reason, and it's like. <laughs> And it, that's gotten way better and it's gotten you know it took a, a little while but now it's like they will they will straight up have like japanese concepts in anime now and they won't even bother explaining them it's just like you have google i don't know like and so i there's that i think is the most like notable one because anime is such a huge industry and just because it like kept making money they couldn't keep up and people just kind of got educated in the culture and now everyone knows a lot more about japan and about all these other things it'd be really cool to see that kind of happen with other countries i think just the sort of bringing stuff in and not feeling the need to over explain or whatever you know yeah and and it, anime anime was lucky that you know like it came from the audience i think like now if the audience hears a, a bad like americanized dub they will complain about yeah so i also think like sure. yeah like some cultures are like kind of also i mean I, I say that sometimes because i think about like french culture and there's like uh like a, a tv like an animated tv show that i think is like hilarious but i'm like this would like people like this is referencing french culture too much to a point that it's like i don't think it would be funny to anybody else outside of it you know there's yeah there's stuff like that i mean even in anime you know there there is anime that usually gag based stuff where it's like so deeply ingrained in culture mm. that it like doesn't translate um and that's fine too yeah like 
Yeah. This is a tangent. It'll, it'll be quick. But, you know, it's like Shin-chan. They, it is actually very Japanese in its original material. And when they tried to translate it, they made it very, like, South Parky. Like, they tried to, like, make it offensive and American. Oh, yeah. And it, like... It's fine, but uh, it's weird. It changes the tone, and it isn't quite what the show, I think, the original show had attended. And I've watched it in Japanese, and it's it's different. Like, it has a different... Even if I don't get every reference, I still enjoy it because I'm like, oh, this is, like, genuine. It feels a little more genuine. It's not like... Oh, yeah. poop. But I, I think if the content is good, a lot of people are willing to put in the work. I think so. You know, to, to get it. Like... Uh, speaking of, of, of French culture and, and comics and stuff like like Asterix is is super mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. huge in Brazil when I was growing up and it's it there's it's very European there's lots of references to like European history uh, very like minute stuff but you know I had friends who were absolutely hooked on it and they that's like how they learned a lot of their, their like European history that's was so funny. reading reading Asterix yeah. comics you know it's so that's funny because Asterix is like the uh, epitome of like, uh, we have to protect the small village. Yeah. <laughs> that's typically. It's different. It's that's different. so yeah. funny. No, it's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's exactly like, oh, these like guys are trying to invade us and we're going to, yeah. we're going to like keep them at base. <laughs> I- I'm not saying the politics yeah. of Asterix are, you know, worth defending, but it is a, a, a you know, it is a, a window into a different yeah. culture that many people around the world are willing to put in the work to mm-hmm. to understand. You know, that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, how uh, how do you? We love to ask this question. Uh, how do you deal with creative block when it hits you? Oh, that's the name of the show. Yeah. That's the name of the show. Woo! <laughs> oh, now I got it. Uh, I don't know. I'm 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 very like I, I think I mentioned it before. Like I'm I'm very not romantic about <laughs> my animation career <laughs> so i think i'm i'm kind of a practical person uh, or i want to be a lot of the times uh so i think like creative block can be overcome by just sitting down and thinking about it and trying different things and not being mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think not being afraid of being wrong or being bad i believe in in like just kind of for drawing or writing for anything like that uh i believe in a uh, what uh, judd apatow calls the vomit pass which is like you sit down and you just write it doesn't matter if it's the worst thing you've ever written and same as drawing like like with character design which is something i love to do i just kind of sit down and draw and not being scared of of just being the worst because it's probably not going to be great because it's it's just like you know it's a vomit pass you're just you're just putting it on the page but i i always find it easier to uh to rework something that's concrete that exists rather than you know coming up with something out of thin air so for me the vomit pass both both for writing or for drawing it it works for me as like okay now i have something on the page that exists mm. and now i can work on it and i can rework it and i can refine it so it doesn't matter if it's terrible uh it it, it kind of helps you get through that first stage of like you know the blank page syndrome or whatever uh so 
you know, like, yeah, like, so my, my solution is very practical. It's like, force yourself to put something on the page, <laughs> anything. No one, no one has to read it. No one has to look at it. It can be a complete piece of shit. Uh, but now you can mold that yeah. shit into something <laughs> that yeah. it's not shit. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's my, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not someone who like, you know, believe in those like, origin stories of like oh i was sleeping one day and i had a dream and the muse hit me no yeah you know the inspiration came and i was one with my art and 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 it you know came into fruition like 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 the virgin mary (laughs) giving birth to baby jesus and uh i just don't believe in that stuff Mm. i I think it's you know a lot of it is like artist talk or like artists trying to feel uh like 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 artists or, or like these special beings that that hover yeah. a few feet above yeah. the ground and and i think at the end of the day especially if we're working on 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 the industry on tv shows or movies <laughs> it is a craft it is about you know like practicing and getting better little by little there's no like you know there's no magic brush no. or nothing like that so yeah most things start bad like i i think most yeah art or whatever starts bad and you just got i i always see it as like a marble statue that you're just chipping away at and you're mm-hmm. like i know i see the the statue in here but this looks like shit right now right. and so you're just like trying to figure out what the actual shape of it is yeah and and i think the vomit pass is like it's putting it's putting the piece of marble yeah. in front of you yeah that looks like nothing but then but now you have yeah. something you make to the first on. uh chisel or whatever yeah that's cool uh we had uh, a question from at, I think it's at with Dalek. Dalek, which three characters do you enjoy drawing the most? Yeah, we had one question. Uh, out of like any characters in existence, so <laughs> the characters on the shows I've, I've worked on. Let's answer both. Like, let's do like your character. Yeah, why not both? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, on the shows I've worked on, I think it's definitely like Cupcake Dino and Hugo and Cupcake and Dino because. I think those characters were, they were created in a, in a time when I was like doing a lot of little animations. So the first time I, I drew Cupcake and Dino, it was just like, I was just goofing off at home and I was like animating these characters doing like a little dance. Uh, so, so they're very simple and they're very simple on purpose because, you know, I'm, I'm a lazy animator and I wanted these characters to be, extremely simple so i didn't have to draw a lot in order to make them dance uh so i i i I love the simplicity and they're just so easy to draw that i can like you know whip whip them out in like a few seconds and and do some fun poses and really focus on the stuff that i like to do which is like the expressions and the poses and stuff whereas i feel like the characters Uh from uh, ollie's pack and the characters Uh from osvaldo are a little more involved they're they you know they they have a little Uh more line work so I, I find them less fun to draw when I'm doodling. And, and I think it's been like a, 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 a recent thing that I'm trying to get back into uh, after, after we left the, our Disney overall uh, and we've been pitching around town. It's like we, we were pitching a show to uh, one of the networks and, and I, I, had, I put in a lot of work to try to come up with stuff that was like very simple and appealing which for me is a challenge. But then when I find something that I really like, it's just really fun to draw it. Uh, and as for, as, as for like characters, any character in the world, I think, 
I draw a lot yeah, of Mario. Yeah, it has a Mario right here. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, yeah, and and for some weird reason, I draw a lot of Batman. I I don't. I'm not even like a big Batman guy, but when I'm doing most of the, most of the stuff I post on Instagram, for example, it's just like, you know, like I open Procreate and I'm watching TV and I'm just like, you know, just doodling whatever doesn't really matter. But a lot of little Batmans come yeah, out shape. for some reason. I think that there's, yeah, it's just fun to draw. Cause I yeah, it always starts with the little ears, and then like, and then like I'll do like a you know little bitty. I, I usually draw my Batman. Like yeah. So it's, it's like almost Batman. Yeah, Batman. yeah, yeah. Oh, I love those shows. So, oh my gosh, that was one of the best animation I've seen in, I don't know. It's just, it's just so fun and goofy. I wish uh, there were a little great. bit more fun and goofy shows. A lot of the animation is a little serious nowadays. Yeah. But, you know, it comes in waves. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't wait to hear uh, you guys' interview with, uh, with Brainblatt because I think it was so, it was so refreshing to see uh, Jerry yeah. Stone as just like this uncompromisingly goofy yeah carl show. keeps the goofy alive <laughs> that that was all about the comedy you know like like gumball's one of mm-hmm. my favorite shows and also also goes back to that uh you know what i was talking about tv animation like I, i'm someone who i find the animation on gumball way more charming and interesting to look at than the animation on like the little mm-hmm. mermaid mm-hmm. uh and i know you know that's probably gonna have probably gonna have some some angry dms my way for saying that you but think so? i just find it more fun yeah because I, I i just like i like really snappy like comedic animation with like really interesting uh uh inflexible expressions uh-huh. and i i'm you know and i i recognize how how technically skilled uh something like you know the little mermaid yeah, sure. let's, i guess let's pick little mermaid uh but I, I recognize how technically difficult it is and how, how much of a craftsman you have to be. But I just find it less yeah. less compelling no, to watch. I, I think it's 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 just uh it's just not very fun in terms of yeah. like expressions and, and, and pushing that comedy and uh it's 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 almost like a lot of, a lot of the tra- the really traditional like two D Disney movies, I feel like you know that Disney Disney's like this stock right. company yes. that has the same actors yeah. playing different of the movies. same faces. So it, and it's not even the, the yeah. design. Sometimes sometimes it's just the acting. Mm-hmm. Like you know every everyone does everyone does the big you know the big anticipation before you know doing yeah. the the movement and and a big overshoot and overlapping action and all this stuff and it all kind of moves very similarly. I agree with you. And it's all by ones and and. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so refreshing to see, like, I love animation by twos and threes and, you know, like it's, it's rare to see something by twos and threes that hits like the big time. So that, that's why I was, it was so refreshing to see like, you know, Mm -hmm. Spider-Verse and, uh, and Mitchell's versus the machine taking advantage of that stuff. And I, I hope it happens more often, uh, because, you know, like animation is, animation is a medium that you can do anything. Absolutely. And I think for, you know, for, 40 years a, a lot of like the big animated studios kind of been doing one thing yeah <laughs> and I, I i just want to see weird wacky stuff you know like like just yeah it's it's I th- yeah I, th- I think a lot of what i see because i've i i 
hear what you say so much because I've been because I like cartoony animation. That's what I like to do during my day job, and I've been in a couple situations where uh, I've been told like, "Oh, this is too cartoony. Like, you, you got to make it more real. You got to make it more real." And I I was like, "Well, why is this?" Like, you know, like to myself, why is this a trend? Why, why are people looking for something more and more realistic, more and more like toned down? And then I'm starting to realize like, oh, it's because I think a lot of animators are like kind of tired of being treated like kids that we're not making live action. Like, I think a lot of, I see that a lot. That it's like, no, we're just as good as live action. Yeah. Look at how realistic we can get. And it's like, to me, it's kind of like too bad because it's like, well, that's why we're animating. Yeah. That's why we're not doing yeah. live action. There should be a difference. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. But you know, you know, two weeks there, There's a lot of writers, I think, who are, you know, like like people who are purely writers who, you know, see animation as like oh, a lesser, yeah. <laughs> a lesser thing, and and they're like, yeah, I'll do, I'll work on this animated show because it's oh. easy. But I, you know, I really rather be working on, you know, Boardwalk oh, Empire yeah. or whatever, uh-huh. and. And that's 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 why I was really lucky to to have Mark as a partner because Mark loves animation and he loves writing for animation. He's not someone who sees animation as like a stepping stone or like or like an easier mm-hmm. path because no. it's not easier. It's super no. hard yeah. and it's it's it, it has so many challenges. And... I love Tucan Birdie for that reason because it's it's an adult show that is so wild with its animation. Yeah. Like they just don't mm-hmm. hold back. And it's really hard yeah. to see an adult animation specifically. Everything is might as well be a sitcom. A lot of stuff might as well be a sitcom. Yeah, I mean, Adult Swim actually, I think, is probably the network that has like the craziest oh, yeah, animation. Always. Like Super Jail yeah. is like really cartoony. No, they've always been great. They uh, they have a good yeah. mission statement. Mm. It's like experimental. Right. It's like very indie experimental. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's always a push for it because I think you know it. It's like there's always going to be that push and pull of artists wanting to do weird shit, and sometimes, occasionally, a network concedes and is like, "All right, fine, <laughs> you can do your weird little loopy loops and uh, and stuff." <laughs> I've been really getting in. I've really come to appreciate animation on threes. Like you mentioned, animating on twos and threes, and man, like I think I think it's more impressive. For me at this point to see people do really cool expressive stuff on threes threes for people who, who don't know i guess i should explain is like you know there's 24 frames in a second usually and um disney stuff it's very smooth because they're animating every single frame as a new drawing which yes it's smooth but it has this weird glidey feel to it and um i don't know if it always looks that good to me but uh, twos is a lot of American animation, and it's two, you know, twelve drawings per second. And threes is a lot of anime is on threes, and it's um, three uh, a drawing, a new drawing every three frames. Yeah, so that's and like, like twenty four divided by three. Uh, that's like whatever that's that like is. eight. Don't ask me. Uh, I think yeah. right. No, uh, it's not good. It's enough. cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> it's cheaper. It's cheaper. It's, no, it's it's, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's easier to do. It's cheaper, um, and that's also why anime gets away with having more detailed drawings um because it's yes but like you know stuff like studio trigger when it's when it's good is like it's so snappy because it's usually on threes if not like fours and fives mm -hmm, i think mm -hmm. and um yeah 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 oh anime really pushes it like when you when you get it down to like i've been experimenting with that in my own stuff like that i'm working on right now and it's like it's actually really kind of liberating to be like oh i can just yeah. have three drawings here instead of like 12 and 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 you get the same effect especially for comedy it's like sometimes all you need is two drawings and it lands 
I think sometimes comedy works even better with less yeah, frames only because a lot of like comedy comes from surprise and you get a better element yes. of surprise if you just have a frame that pops. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. There's like, oh, it's funny. Yeah. There's that yeah. scene in my uh, short where uh, Zeus just like drops from the sky and it's like a single frame. And I was like so careful to make sure that the animators didn't overanimate that because I was like, this will not be funny. And I, it was totally like a Family Guy moment, but I love how they would do that when something would happen and like within like a frame. Yeah. And it's like, wow, shit. Okay, that's that's so much funnier than if it was overanimated. This is something that you do have to write in your board sometimes. Like I've had yep. to write that in my board sometimes. I'm like, oh, don't animate. This is just this is supposed to pop from this frame to this frame. Yeah, got to be snappy. <laughs> that's funny. Um. Yeah. Pedro, what kind of goals do you have for your future, for your career, for whatever? Uh, right now, it's getting it's something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, because you know, I, I've I finished Cup and Dino. I, I was I was so I did that in Canada. I was, then I was back in Rio, and I was working remotely on on Ollie's pack as an EP, uh, which was basically meant like I was I was giving notes, uh, and you know, like like sending out like drawings and stuff to to the crew in Canada uh and while I was in Rio that's when me and Mark you know I, I flew to LA for like a week and we pitched Disney uh five ideas and and to our surprise they ended up buying us wow. putting us uh, on an overall deal uh so so I was there for the last year and a half uh in the development department and we were developing our ideas uh and then since since May our contract ended. Uh, we're still developing a few projects with with Disney, uh, more in like you know like they call it a step deal, but it's like more like a freelance capacity mm-hmm. because when you, when you're an overall Disney, you're exclusive to them. You can't you can't pitch anywhere else. Uh, and then since since May, me and Mark have been pitching other places, and and we we sold a kids show to a different place, and we sold a an adult show with some other creators uh, at a different place. Uh, so we have, you know, we have these, these, these things in the fire right now, but it's all, it's all development, right? So in development can take mm-hmm. another year and a half. Sometimes it can take two years. It's, it just moves really slowly. Uh, it's just kind of the nature of the beast. And so right. I, I, I'm kind of like right now, I'm like, I, I just want to start production on a thing, you know, like it, it doesn't even need to be my thing at this point. Like I, I, I want to. I want to go back to you know like, like looking at boards and and working with other artists and being in a studio and seeing, seeing stuff animated <laughs> and signing off on stuff. Uh, it's it's just been a while now. Like I've been I've been in this world of development for, uh, like almost two years now at this point. So. So it's it's uh, it will be nice to. To like, get going on something totally. and actually make something. That, that that's gonna be seen by people you know like like i i don't need to be i at this point i don't even need to be the creator like i'd be happy to like direct some stuff or uh but yeah i'm, I'm in this world of development for for a, a little while now and and you know the, the amount of stuff that we have uh in development i think gives us a really good shot that's one of these things is going to eventually mm-hmm. get made uh so you know maybe in a couple of years like I'll be able to announce uh, some concrete projects, which I'm, I'm I'm very excited about all of them. I think, I think they all, they're all great, and and I'm 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 happy to develop them, and I'm developing them with with 
some places that I, you know, like are like my dream places yeah. to work in and, and with really cool executives. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just, I just want to, yeah. I just want to execute it. Yeah. yeah I, that makes sense. That totally makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Especially after so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like I said, I'm kind of, I'm kind of impatient and, and, and fidgety mm-hmm. a little bit, and that's why we ended up having four projects set up in different places because we, Mark is also kind of you know, <laughs> impatient, so we were like, oh, this is not going. Let's, uh, let's I don't know, make another one. And so we, you know, we started just making all these pitches, but so you know, like, development is 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 really not for no. the faint of heart right. or for the people who are too impatient. Because it just takes a yep. long time, so it, it kind of it kind of gets to me after a while. Yeah. So, so I, I like production. Like on Cupcake and Dino, it was great. Like I worked myself to death, but but it was just so fun waking up every day and like you know seeing like ten different episodes, mm-hmm. each one in a different stage of production. So you know approving a script in the morning but then like looking at dailies for a different episode and you know doing sound design notes for a third episode uh you know and being in the editing bay for an animatic on the fourth episode i i really thrive in that environment i I just really like Mm. doing multiple things and keeping myself busy uh to the point that like i was waiting for uh all these contracts to be signed because contracts also take a while to sign if you're if you're setting up a new project and also waiting for my visa and and oh. all this waiting kind of led me to like a, a period of like it's like I, I was i was really i felt really depleted from doing all those pitches mm. in the last few months so i like i kind of didn't want to create anything new uh but at the same time i wasn't working on anything that was currently happening because i was just waiting for contracts so i i got in a kind of a big funk of like of like ah i just have nothing to do i wake up in the morning and I go play video games and stuff. And, and it sounds great, but I was just like, I was just kind of yeah. sad. And, and, it, and it, it led me to like a real moment of like, of like, do I get all my worth, all my self-worth from mm-hmm. work? And if I'm not working, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not worth anything. So, so it, it, it led to some so good, some yeah. good positive so searching of like, like I shouldn't, I shouldn't get all my worth from yeah. my work i should also you know focus on other things i have an amazing fiance who's like amazing who's great and she has uh two kids who are now my stepkids who are also mm-hmm. like you know the greatest little guys in the world so i i i'm i'm trying to keep a more healthy balance <laughs> of all those things i think that yeah i think a lot of people have been going through it. i definitely did and, and it's like it's just good i think that that's the the positive outcome of the pandemic is that everyone has had to reshift their priorities and rethink things and like it's it's nice because i think we all got really really caught on that work that work aspect of life and forgot about the the life um especially as creatives because we yeah we're powered by experiences and and um you know it's good to recharge it's also like you know like you it's it's hard to get out of that mindset because it's like such a competitive industry you do have to work really hard on it it's kind of so it's kind of hard to just kind of reel it back because when you've been doing something for so long yeah and and when you have nothing coming out and nothing to show like like twitter is it's poison yes (laughs) uh because you know people are doing cool stuff and that's awesome and i'm i'm 
I'm excited to see all this stuff everyone is doing. But then, you know, you get that feeling of like, you know, like like on Instagram, it just feels like everyone's on vacation but you. Yep. Uh, on Twitter, it just feels like everyone everyone has a project coming out but you. And you're like, oh, oh my God, I'm just going to fall behind. It's, it's fucking... Gonna be, it's been a year. It's really toxic, so, yeah. It really makes us think so, that yeah. we're... We need to constantly be putting work out. And like, something that it's been kind of comforting for me, because I have the same problem, but it's something that's been comforting for me is like, realizing that nobody's actually paying attention to me as, as much as I think they are. You know, it's like, there's so much shit out there yeah. that like, if I just drop anything at any time, if people like me, they're like, cool, nice new thing. Mm-hmm. And then they move on. And that's actually kind of comforting. Cause it's like, Oh, I don't need to. Yeah. I mean, during the height of the pandemic, when I was still at Disney, I was like, I, I, I had to like leave Twitter yeah. for a little bit just for like Absolutely. mental health purposes. And, and because you're, you're, it, it, you know the pandemic also kind of blurred the lines between your personal life and your work life because you wake up and you're yep. you're at work and and it's you have nothing else to do because you can't leave the house either so it it was uh you know and i was i was doing all this cool stuff at disney that i was like really proud of and me and mark were were, were happy with our work but mm-hmm. also like it's like if you like you have nothing to show and you're just like spinning this wheel like mm-hmm. a little hamster <laughs> and and so, you know, it was, it was good to leave Twitter for a little bit and kind of put things in perspective and, and, and realize that I, like, I, I am, I feel very lucky and I feel very fortunate to, to be in the position that I am. I know that, you know, uh, being, being in, on an overall Disney in development is like something that a, a lot of cre- creators are out there would, would be glad to have. And I, and I, and I was, when that, when, when they told me that it, it was gonna happen like yeah. i couldn't believe it i was like i was back in rio and i was like oh my god like i've had, i also like i was back in rio uh cupcake and dino had not been renewed which was like my plan on cupcake and dino was like mm-hmm. if we got a third season i was i was gonna work directly uh you know in toronto with e1 uh that, that's what i was pushing for uh but then at the same time cupcake and I didn't get renewed so i didn't know where i was going next uh ollie's pack was like was like oh you can work remotely so you can work from anywhere so i was like okay i'm gonna go back to brazil and and at the same time my like my dad passed mm-hmm. away and I, and I was just like i was just like oh i i you know like i the feeling i had was like oh i took like you know uh four steps uh towards my goal my career and then i just took four steps back again like i'm i'm back where i yeah. was before cup and dino so so it just felt like really really depressing and then yeah but mm-hmm. the, the truth mm-hmm. the, the reality is that it wasn't like like cup and dino was a big part of why me and mark got the job right. at disney because the the executive uh, the, the story was that mark went there for a general and people who don't know like a general meeting is just a meeting that you go to like you know meet the people in the studio and see like oh this is this is my work if you guys have any work uh you know i'm available mm-hmm. and stuff so mark mark went there on a monday uh, to talk to mm. to one of the executives at Disney, and her daughter had just binge watched Cupcake that's, and Dino the weekend wild. before, because uh, because her friends in school had were all watching Cupcake and Dino, and she she wanted to watch it, so she she watched the, all the episodes, and and then the executive you know ended up watching a few episodes uh, mm. alongside the daughter, and and when Mark came in in the morning on the Monday, she looked at Mark's resume and she was like, oh, you're you developed uh-huh. Cupcake and Dino, and you're the story editor. I I just watched the show and I loved it. We we need more comedy. Uh-huh. We, need more, 
That's you know, great. like like shows that are fun and, and have a big heart. Yeah. And and Mark called me That's from amazing. the parking lot and he was like, "All right, we we got to pitch Disney. Buy a ticket to LA." And Damn. and we're gonna bring some projects for them, and that's that's how we ended up pitching Disney. So, so you know, it wasn't it wasn't a step back at all. It's just like, you know, life doesn't always work the way you want it to work, and you gotta it's, you gotta adapt. <laughs> life is definitely not linear. Sometimes you do a thing, and you're like, nobody saw it, and it's like it was a waste of my time, and why did I do this? And then like for some reason, ten years later, yep. it pays off, and it's like holy moly! How <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're just always planting seeds, and you don't know which one's gonna sprout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've yeah. come to think of it like that too. And, and and back to that, you know, that that thing I mentioned earlier, that the Pixelato uh, festival, where you know this creator was like, ah, but I I feel like what I do doesn't count mm. in America, and and you know that kind of stuck with me, and and I. I kept thinking like, no, it, it counts because it counts for you. Yeah. It counts for, oh, yeah. you know, your experience. Yeah. It counts for your, your professional growth. And, you know, like if you ever land something else, you, you you can prove that you have the experience. You've done it before. You have the talent and you executed it. It doesn't matter if it didn't play, you know, on TV in the U.S. Like you, yeah. you, you got better and you got, you know, you, 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 you're walking your path and it, it, you shouldn't shouldn't judge it by how many people in, in <laughs> LA of all <laughs> cities have seen your thing, you know? Uh, so it counts. It counts. It doesn't matter what, what you do in your country, what you do in your, you know, uh, local networks and stuff. It, it, it totally counts. Like, like I, I, I love working on Osvaldo and, and even though no one here knows what it is, like I, I bring with mm. me what I learned from the experience and, and, and I, I use it in my work all the time. Yeah. So, uh, is there anything you want to plug while you're on the show? No, I don't. I don't have anything to show. <laughs> uh, watch maybe watch Cupcake yeah. and that on Netflix. It's it's gonna be there forever, Hopefully. I think. Uh, I don't think I don't think we're ever getting a third season, but uh, yeah, maybe, maybe make watch it so much that they regret that they give us they didn't give us the sure. third season or something. I don't know. Well, and by they I mean by they I mean the algorithm. The, yeah, the algorithm. Like, we pray to the algorithm. Yeah, and, and check out um, Pedro's interview on Rise Up Animation. It's on YouTube. It's um, it's called Rise Up, and uh, there's uh, even more insider information about Pedro's life. <laughs> yeah, and I like to say there was a time when I used to post a drawing a day on, t- on Instagram. <laughs> and that, that that time is gone, <laughs> but I'm still I'm still there. I still still post stuff every now and then. I'm uh, I'm on Twitter. Yeah, uh, hopefully hopefully making a show that uh, more, more people yeah. see than, than my previous shows. You're doing more dad <laughs> things now. That's good too. You just had yeah. like a regatta. What was that? You were like put together like a boat. Oh, it was a, a cardboard yeah. regatta. It, it's uh, it's something that, that, that Anna uh, had did like in, in a couple of years ago. And of course they didn't have the last year because yeah. of the pandemic, but this year they decided to have like yeah. a version of it and and she talked me into participating and and it was really fun we spent like a week building a cardboard boat and and then we we took the boat to the like this place like in santa monica that has like a pool oh, like a okay. big swimming pool i forgot the name of the place i think it's called marion davis uh-huh. guest house or something like that uh but it's a swimming pool that's by mm-hmm. the beach and and they uh 
so you sign up your boat and you race other cardboard boats and and the fun is is just kind of you know seeing your boat fall apart and sink yeah i was gonna say it probably just melts right <laughs> it's like cardboard well we our boat we so wow. we did we did the first race was uh with the two boys and the, in the first race they won their awesome. race and the boat nice. held together but but then we used the same boat for oh, the no. adult race with with me and anna on it and and because of the first race the the boat was kind of already yeah. kind of soaked uh in the bottom so the second race was a total disaster like we as soon as we jumped in the boat the boat started oh, to no. sink and, <laughs> and and we just we just like doggy doggy oh. paddled the boat all the way that's to really the end yeah, of the pool so and we got like you know we got dead last but it was that's like a really that, that right there is already like a funny episode <laughs> idea for something you know like that's great a, car, a cardboard yeah boat. do the car, cardboard do the cardboard regatta episode yeah. guys there you go putting See it yeah idea. putting it in my uh book of notes <laughs> it's a very american thing but uh it well yeah but it doesn't have to be that could be it could sure. be uh it could be anyway. <laughs> uh that's the end of this creative block thanks to pedro for being our guest and sharing his story thank you guys so much and thanks to your listeners follow us on twitter it's at creative block creative without the vowels where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask your guests Huge thanks to my sister Clements for adding the podcast. If you love our show, then support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews as well as bonus episodes. Click the link in the description of this episode uh, to check it out. I've been your host, Gene. And I was B. Keep being creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.